this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Thank you, team. Uh, you know, they, they came together this week and we're practicing and it was like, yes, give them a hand. I walked into practice and it was like they'd been playing together forever, but that's how the, that's how the kingdom is, right? He takes gifts and he morphs them together. He brings uh, the gifts of, of different people. He brings them together to form churches. He brings churches together to shift regions. Amen. He brings churches together to shift regions. Because just as countries, I was thinking about this as I was watching uh, the Olympics, that, that every country has a flag. And every country, when, uh, when they go to the podium, they celebrate their identity. They celebrate their identity. And, uh, and so they, they have an anthem. They have a song that they sing. They wave a flag that, that depicts not only their destiny, but where they've come from. And I often, I often just sit there and marvel at every, every one of those people that have went and, and performed, they stand there with honor. They stand there with honor to celebrate what uh, their country is about or, or what their, their plan is. And, and so as I was thinking about that this morning, uh, the Lord just spoke to me and he said, uh, that's, that's what churches are. That's what the church is. You know, we're all the church, amen? It's one church. And, uh, and I drove in the parking lot this morning, and you may notice if, if you had trouble parking, that's a problem, <laughs> sorry. But, uh, but there's no lines out there. And uh, the man that was doing it, he said, it'll be done by Sunday, and, and it'll be good. And then he called me uh, yesterday, and he said uh, the, the striper thing, like, blew up or something, and, and it won't be lined for Sunday. And I said, oh, that's amazing, because... There's no lines in the kingdom. There's no denominational lines. There's no church lines. There's no, no, we're one church. And if we can get that and start to believe that, we will see great things happen. And I know you're in the room because you believe it, but I want there to be in my life a real understanding, not just a head knowledge of, yeah, we're working together. We're seeing God move, amazing things. But no, like this is the heartbeat of God, that there is no division among anyone. And I, I, I truly believe what God's about to do in the next 10 days, there is not, the churches in this region cannot hold what he's gonna do in this, in this next 10 days. He's gonna move, and he's gonna move this morning. So don't, you know, don't, I was in the prayer room this morning with our team, and I was like, you know, yeah, we wanna pray about tonight, we wanna pray about Field of Freedom. But don't forget this morning, because there's people coming that need freedom today. There's people coming that need freedom today. So I want to invite Rick Arandondo up uh, to, to be with me up here. We're going to talk for a few minutes about what we're seeing in the region, and then, uh, and then we'll hear from the word. So Rick, thank you for coming and being a thank part you. of this. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. I just don't know what to say. I'm just humbled to be here. Um, I'm excited. Uh, this is something that I feel there's been this momentum building for several weeks. 
and I just got to feel like God has got this thing completely under control. In fact, God's been giving me colors, and he says, no, I know exactly what color it's going to be. He's into that much of a detail. Yeah. The, he gives you a plan, but then he's going to give you the details in the plan. And we've seen that over the last, uh, we're here today because of a plan um, <laughs> that we've, yeah. we've curved and we've, and we've pivoted, but um, the Lord is good in every way. And, uh, and I, we've been talking and, and I know that many of you have just grown so much through this process. If you've been a part of the field of freedom, going to the field and praying, or you've been a part of uh, some of the discussions, the the deliverance training, any of that stuff that has happened, man, it's just, it's challenged us to come outside of what we believe uh, was good for the longest time uh, because God's not in our box. No, amen. And, and uh, one of the things that God spoke to me, he says, Rick, what do you want out of this? And I said, I want freedom. I want people to experience freedom. And he goes, well, what about you? Come on. And I went, oh. So what does that look like? He says, well, you're worried about what this is gonna look like, what's the weather gonna look like, what songs they're gonna sing, what's this? And he says, you need to be free from that. So it's happened literally in the last 48 hours, I can honestly say. I wish I could say it was an early adopter, but what I'm saying is he is so much into us as individuals, and I think we talked about unity. Well, it starts with relationships. And if God wasn't about relationships, he wouldn't have sent his son, right? So he emulated ultimately what the best relationship you could have with a human being is him personally coming down. So he's already set the example already. Amen. Amen. And unity is about death. I know that we don't like to say that, but unity is about death. And if we want unity with Christ, he already did his dying part. It's time for us to die. And we've been in the dying process. We've been, uh, we've been talking about it, praying for each other as we die through this process. But uh, God is moving in this region. And I wanted to talk about a couple instances that we've seen uh, of him moving in this region, and one of them is uh, God is restoring relationships. Uh, if you have a broken relationship with someone from the past, maybe recent past or from the past, I can tell you from firsthand knowledge that if we submit to this process, he will restore relationships. There was a relationship that had been broken years ago that I was involved in, and, uh, and in the last three weeks, God has done a miraculous turnaround and has brought us together to reconcile and to move in kingdom work. And, uh, and it is so exciting that when we submit to the process, even though it may not be fun, it's accomplishing what God wants to accomplish. And it's uniting pastors, it's uniting churches, it's uniting people in this region for a greater plan. Yeah, I think all of us can probably recognize one person we've had an issue with, right? And. I find that God just finds this way of, and this is part of this whole thing of, uh, is my heart hard? And I feel like today, there's nothing you can't do without being offended, literally, right? So you can't walk out your door without being offended. You can't listen to the news without being offended. And I feel like that offense, and I think very appropriate today, uh, is the fact that, you know, if we probably have offended more people than have offended us, right? So. I feel like God's going to start putting people on that field, literally, that we've been wanting to see. Or maybe that phone call you're going to have. Um, I can have a personal story where my son, you know, uh, I'm praying for restoration of a relationship, okay? I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I'm, I'm praying for it. But God has told me it's in my timing. I just need you to be ready when that happens to receive it or seek those that you need to restore that relationship, even if they reject it. I think... The hardest part right now is having courage. 
of courage of that, of that effort to be even refused, right? Mm -hmm. Because we can't control that. But, uh, but I think that's where the body can help us. And I think that's the unity part of walking together with someone that can, that's literally going through that and, and is encouraging them. Move, move in it. Mm -hmm. Like when they say lean into the discomfort, I think that's one of the things I firmly believe in. Yeah, and I believe that in this, in this hour, uh, you know, more than 20 churches united for Field of Freedom, and we need to go through the specifics, but uh, 20 churches, I know that when we started this, we were like, okay, what, uh, we were in those early conversations, like, what is God going to do? How many churches can he bring together? What is this going to look like? And, and we couldn't have dreamed what we've seen on the field and, and in relationships and coffee shops and everywhere else. Yeah, I feel like uh, it's like when you feel the temperature in the room going up. I mean, everyone's feeling the temperature coming up. And, it, and it's all hitting us in different ways. And I feel like the churches themselves have realized that we have taken a seat in backwards instead of forwards. And if you think about like Nehemiah, right? Nehemiah comes back, he, sent, he says, I want to go back to Jerusalem and I want to restore the walls, right? Well, we're not here to restore walls. What he wanted to do is restore the kingdom. And he had to ask every single person to play a part in it, to restore that wall. So that's the unity part of they had a purpose and I feel like that's what it, that's what God's calling us to do is to be that unification process because right now I mean even churches are divided about vax non-vax political affiliation all those things so the devil has literally placed everything in front of us to be offended and to be separate and right now he's saying but who do we look for to the answer and I think we're all looking to the same place now yeah yeah, do you want to share some specifics for those online and those in the room that may not know uh, about it? And uh, sure. I know most people do, but it'd be good to talk through what it's going to look like. I wish I could tell you what it's going to look like. <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. Uh, the Lord took me to this field and just showed me literally what it could look like. And it had to be in a place where people felt comfortable. And if you we were in a building, more than likely you weren't gonna walk into a building to receive the gospel or to restore a relationship with God. And the field is kinda of like along the 77 highway. Those of you who have been out there, you feel this peace about it. And uh, we didn't know that there were actually revivals in the 60s, 70s, and 80s that had actually been held there. So there's a certain significance to the ground, but what we wanted to do was, we didn't want it to be in a live event. This isn't about being entertained. This is about activation of what God is asking us to do is to step into the field. And the first day is about unification because how do we do what the Lord wants us to do if we're all divided, right? So the first day is literally about, hey, we're here for one purpose and it's to serve, okay? So we happen to have Eddie James who's just a very anointed man of God who's gonna open, and he's gonna bring a, a really profound message, but he's also bringing 16 students that were ex-drug addicts, and, and, and now they're part of his ministry. So he's restored these people. And so then the next day is about what we call activation or community. And that's literally about you, every single one of you, inviting somebody to that field that you've been saying, hey, I wanna share the gospel with you. And maybe you've had that hesitation of that fear of rejection. And for them just to come to the field, they will feel the presence of God on that field. The Lord showed me that every blade of grass represents a soul that he's gonna redeem. And I've heard so many people recite the same thing, okay? Um, and we're gonna have uh, Dr. Jo Charles Karuku is gonna be there. So those of you who do not know Dr. Charles Karuku, he was in the middle of Minneapolis when they were burning it. 
So he's in the middle of the city with a megaphone between Black Lives Matters and Antifa preaching the gospel, and he baptized 100 people that weekend. Okay? So did he have fear? Yes. He actually has a biracial family. So, you know, even that dynamic in that situation was pretty perilous. But he said, the Lord said, I got to go. So he's going to be giving a really profound message. We're going to have um, testimonies of, of restoration of families, of those that have suffered from addiction. Uh, and then Sunday, it's just going to be a blowout party. What we want to do is celebrate everything that's happened over the two days and say, we want this momentum to continue. Okay? Because if we leave anybody on the field that isn't connected with a church or with an individual that's in a church, then we've missed the whole opportunity. Does that make sense? So expect baptisms, expect baptism by the Holy Spirit, expect the church to be on the ground kneeling with an ex-addict who wants to find Jesus, okay? So bring your knee pads, bring your old clothes, whatever you gotta do, because if we don't get on the ground with them and walk them back, then who is, Amen. right? So a lot of worship music, because we do believe that nobody argues about worship music, right? <laughs> They don't care what translation that you're speaking from. It's the fact that he wants to hear our praises. And I, I believe that those praises are going to be heard. And we've already heard that the tent's going to move to Wilmot, potentially. Uh, we're going to be talking with pastors in Carroll County that they may want the tent to go there. We expect this movement. Now, who would have thought that New, New Philadelphia, Dover, Tuscarawas County, like what good comes from Tuscarawas County, as I've heard? as in what good comes from Nazareth, is we're gonna see this momentum of God that we're just gonna say, you know what, the biggest mistake you can make is you don't show up. Because if you've been praying for all this stuff, what the hell have you been praying for? If you don't show up literally on the field and say, I'm here today to walk somebody back in the kingdom of God, and you know what, it may be somebody, in fact, he showed me a pastor kneeling down in that field saying, I need to be free from how many people show up to church? How much is in our tithing? What's happening with my board? What's our plans for next year? To another pastor just celebrating and dancing hysterically because they're free. So I believe it's, uh, there's something for everybody, Rob. There is, there is. And uh, I just want you to extend your hands forward toward uh, Rick this, today. We're gonna pray over him. And, uh, and I, the verse that the Lord gave me was, those who are faithful and little, are faithful in much. And I believe that the Lord is going to expand your heart to receive what he's about to pour into this movement. It's not a meeting. It's not an event. It's a movement. And, uh, and so, Father, today we just pray over Rick. We pray over the team, every person who has signed on to help, uh, Lord, all the volunteers, all the prayer ministers, all the evangelistic team, the go team. Lord, every person that has that is going to be a part of this and those who haven't even signed up yet that will today on the website lord that that say hey i don't want to miss this i want to be a part of it lord i just pray over every single part of this event lord that you would be honored and glorified first of all and lord that freedom would come to every person who comes there even if they don't want it when they get there that they'll find it there and so lord i just i pray and we join with one one voice to say freedom, freedom, freedom. And we bless you, Rick, and all the people involved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you.
So this morning, um, we, we had had some plans, and then the Lord said, I'm glad you have plans. I'm going to direct your steps. So uh, I want to I bring something that the Lord has laid on my heart about unity. You see, when God created man, there was unity. It says God created mankind in his image, which means that there was unity between Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and mankind. Now, we mess that up in a three-letter word called sin. And, uh, and so the plan was all just messed up. But it says that Jesus was, was crucified before the foundation of the world. Thank the Lord. There was a restoration plan already in place before we messed up. Amen. Isn't that a good deal? Uh, and so that restoration plan aimed back to unity. It came back to unity in Christ. And it says in Scripture that the Father... Uh, that Jesus said to the Father, may they be as one as you and I are one, right? Jesus is praying over all of us, and he says, and the disciples, and he says, may they be, the ones you've given me charge over, may they be one as you and I are one, for what purpose? So that all who hear them speak would know that I sent you. In other words, the good news that all may know the gospel. And, uh, and I was thinking about this, this, uh, this Olympic idea that we celebrate who we are. Now there's many churches in the room and I'm, I'm seeing pastors all around here. I just wanna say thank you to the pastors for, for believing in this movement of unity. It really, it really is the Father's heart. And I know there's some that couldn't be here and I get all that, that's fine. There's always gonna be things going on, amen? But that, that there is this movement. But as we all have a banner, uh, you know, every part of the body has a purpose. And I believe that there are churches that have a specific gift in a region. And the reason why the Lord wants unity is because this church over here and this church over here have completely separate gifts. And if they try to do it on their own, they're not gonna make it. But we in Christ have one creed, we have one covenant, we have one family. And if we allow ourselves to lay down the walls of our churches and say, listen, we are the church and I am here and I'm gonna celebrate with your win. Marcus, I'm gonna celebrate with your win. Not because it has anything to do with me other than I'm a part of you. And all of, the, all of the churches in the region, there's 190 some churches in this region, the Father's heart is that all of them would be in one. All of them would be one. Now, we, I, I know that whenever I said that, some of, some of us, and, and believe me, I've been working on my heart too, some of us were like, man, 190 some churches, how in the world can that happen? Well, I'm gonna tell you today that that the Lord has a plan that, that will work through to actually make that happen. He'll make that happen, but it takes surrender and it takes death. And it takes death of our will. And I know as, as Rick and I were talking in the green room before we came down, uh, there's been lots of things that we've had to die to as leaders through this process. Most of it's just us. And, uh, and thank the Lord that when we die, he becomes alive. When we burn down, he becomes brighter, right? And, uh, and so in this season, in this season of the church, I believe that God is building a foundation in which he can send the fire on. We know that when, when, uh, when a sacrifice was put upon the altar, 
he always sent fire. There was, there's not a time that he didn't send fire, that he didn't show up, that he didn't prove to be God in the situation. And all he's looking for is for a bunch of leaders in Tuscarawas County to say, listen, I'm gonna put everything on the altar, come consume me, and we're gonna do what you wanna do. And so I am happy to be a part of that group that's willing to do that. But unity in the natural, unity in the natural as we're seeing and witnessing this morning, this unity only comes with unity with the Father first. Because you can't replicate something on earth that you haven't experienced in heaven, in the heavenly realm. And so what does that that unity mean? I, I wanna talk to you this morning real quickly about the difference between and the relation, sorry, the relationship between belief and behavior. Now, some of you, whenever I said 190 some churches in the county, you were like, yeah, I don't know if that's ever gonna happen. Well, that is where belief starts. That is a belief that we just identified. Uh, I believe that it could happen. But my belief uh, for 190 churches, to be honest with you, isn't as great as the Father's heart is for this. And so I, as a leader, have to grow, as you have to grow, to begin to see what he wants to see in the region happen. And so behavior is directly related to your belief system. If you do not believe that 190 churches can come together in one place at one time and worship the Lord, then your behavior will depict that belief. You see, when... I was, whenever I was in basketball, uh, whenever I was in basketball in high school, I was playing. And my freshman year, I, I started, I was on the varsity team and I got to play a lot. And I remember in practice, the, the older kids were dunking the basketball. And they were like, oh yeah, they're just doing it real easy in warmups, you know, all that stuff. And I'm out there and I'm trying and I'm just grabbing the net. I can't even get the rim. And, uh, and I went the whole year offended that I couldn't do what they were doing. And I, I just didn't understand it. Then one day, I went to a place where I could lower the rim to nine feet. And whenever I lowered the rim to nine feet, I could go up and I could grab the rim and I could dunk a small basketball. And something inside of me shifted in that moment. Something inside of me shifted and my belief was, if I could do it at nine feet, I might be able to do it at nine and a half. And I might be able to do it at 10 feet. And my behaviors changed because I actually believed I could do it now. And so I went to the weight room and I started lifting and I started squatting and I started jumping and I started wearing weights on my back and running and doing all the stuff that I needed. And then whenever I became a sophomore, I could grab the rim and I could dunk a baseball. And then whenever I became a junior, I could dunk a basketball. But my behaviors only changed when my belief changed. And we can see it all throughout scripture. I want you to think for a moment about, if you wanna turn, you can turn to Acts 9. We'll just go there real quick. If you go to Acts 9, you realize that we're living in Acts right now. It never stopped. We're in chapter like 3,400 or something. Like, like Acts is still going on. And it's the, the Acts of the Apostle, the Acts of the Holy Spirit through people on the earth. And like we're supposed to be living that today. And so if you turn with me to Acts 9, there's this man that we all know that, uh, that really changed the world. But he was changing the world in a bad way uh, before that. Um, in verse one, it says, then Saul, breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest 
and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way of Jesus, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you some, some homework because every behavior you have leads to a belief. We can look at Saul, he was, he was rounding up uh, of believers and killing them, and he was asking for permission to do it even more, and his belief was that they were horrible people, because he had a religious spirit, we all know that, but he, he thought that they were horrible people, and so his behavior reflected that belief, and he began to kill people. Now, you can bring this into the natural, and you can talk about all the the people that you would know in history that have done horrible things and you look at their behavior and you have to go drill down and find their belief. So my question for you this morning is that when he came to himself in Jesus, he experienced Jesus. Let's just read it. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. It's pointless for you to come against me. It's pointless. What I'm here to do is gonna happen whether you do this or not, so just stop. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do... What do you want from me? Then the Lord said, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. His belief changed that the power that was correct in his life shifted, his behavior began to change and the rest of this book can be attributed to that shift. Now, I'm here this morning to challenge you that we believe, many of us this morning believe that the status quo is okay. It's gonna go through like a wave because there's things, there's things in your life right now. I'm not just talking about church stuff. I'm talking about your life. That status quo is okay. Status quo is never okay. Status quo is where the enemy hangs out. Status quo is when you begin to step out and do something like Rick had a vision on a field. When you begin to step out and the voice happens. You've all heard the voice, right? It has a specific tone and it's lies. But the voice comes and it says, oh, you know what? You were better off in California, Rick. You were better off doing all this other stuff. You were better off not unifying the church in the region. You were better off not being a part of the plan. Uh, you, you, you need to be offended because this person didn't talk to you. The voices start, and belief that the status quo is relevant in our lives again. Belief that the status quo is okay. And that happens because we're passive. That happens because we don't understand what God wants to do in a region. So how do we overcome status quo, and how do we get out of that and into what God wants to do in a region? Now, as leaders, we've been walking through this, but uh, the first thing is there has to be a new emerging event. 
that happens. There has to be something that jars you out of status quo, that, that there, aren't, there aren't really denominational lines in church. Like that's, I know I'm stepping on sacred cows, but like there's really not. We're one church. So if that's the case, then status quo has to go out the window. There's new information. But here's what happens when you do that. There's always chaos. Amen? There's always chaos. When we challenge the status quo, there's always chaos. And then when we actually settle down the chaos, you can read in, in Acts, I think it's 15, um, you can read where it says after they argued, they finally came to a decision, the leaders, right? Well, that's because they were, stati- they were in the status quo, Jesus comes, new event, right? New possibilities, and now there's chaos, And then now there's this new way that they can see life and there's new possibilities. So out of chaos has to come new approaches to how we do life and then comes a new status quo. Now all of this can happen literally in five minutes in your life. That you go from a status quo, you have this great encounter, your life is in chaos and then it comes back to new status quo and you are tempted to stay where you are forever. And the Lord, I believe in this season, is saying, I want you to dream bigger. I want you to believe for more. I want you to challenge yourself to actually begin having behaviors of more than what you could have ever thought of to this point. And so that's what I want to challenge you with today. I want to challenge you with believing more than what you thought could be possible. Think about Martin Luther as he was nailing that thesis, as he was travailing fighting, trying to get through, there, there was this, this breakthrough point when it all happened and then everybody else went through that hole. Everybody else went through and got breakthrough because he pushed against it, because he went for it. It's time for the church, the church that's in this room and the church globally to begin pushing on what the Lord has said is gonna happen. Now, some people say that's uh, 300 million souls. Some people say it's a billion souls. Some people, I don't know what the harvest number is. But what I do know is, is that when the church gets activated in a region, the numbers go quickly. If you read in Acts, it says they began to preach and thousands were added to their number every single day. It says, when you preach the gospel, these signs shall follow all who believe. That these miracles will happen. So what actually raises our belief level? It's not just a Rick who can stand here and leaders who are gonna be up here later. It's not just us believing for this to happen. It's a collective faith of the body of Christ to say we're never going back to status quo. We're never going back to looking across the street and saying, I don't even know who those people are. I don't even know who the pastor of that church is. No, 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 we're gonna gonna wreck the status quo, why? Because there's a new element that God wants to do and it's not really new at all, but it's that the kingdom of heaven has to be implanted in our region, not religion. He didn't come to bring us religion, he came to bring us a relationship. And so Saul has this transforming encounter with the Lord. He's blind for a little bit, but he has this transforming encounter with the Lord which releases new possibilities into his life and into the life of the church. With one man, things shifted. With you in this region today, things can shift. I want you to think of another event that happened. William Seymour, Charles Parham, Azusa Street. They were pounding. They were interceding. They were going for more. There's more to this. 
And the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit began to flow. And now look, all the people started going through that hole that they pushed through, that they did. My question is, what is the challenge for the church today that we're pushing against in the demonic realm that when we break through, all the people who are asleep right now in the church are gonna come with us? What is that? What is that? Well, I'm, I'm up for the challenge, if you're up for the challenge, to try and figure out what the Lord wants us to do to figure that out. You see, I believe that Jesus came to the earth because he was focused on you. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The joy was you. He saw your face while he was hanging there. He saw you and he said, listen, this is worthwhile for me to do this. He didn't go grudgingly. He didn't go worried. He went with joy and he said, listen, I want to give all that I have to purchase you. And if you sitting here today, you, just you, were the only one in the room, he would have done it for you. And he would have done it the same way, with joy, because it was you. And now we get all these people coming together in the church and we can't have joy. Why? He had more joy over one person. The angels have more joy over one person when they come to see Jesus, right? They meet him for the first time. We have to have joy. So this is the challenge. Turn with me to Psalm 2. I want to give you this challenge. I want to ask for uh, you to make a commitment today. We're going to start in verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare and decree, the Lord has said to me, you are my son. So this is, this is after, after the resurrection. Father is speaking this to Jesus. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Now verse eight, this is, this is for you today. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is for you. Turn to the other neighbor and say, this is for you. Okay, here it is. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. You know what this tells me? This will blow your mind. Jesus wasn't thinking about nations. His sole focus when he came to the earth was for you. You were the prize in the field that he went and gave everything for to come and get. We get together in buildings, in a county. We do our own deal. We all have our own type of worship. We all, whatever. And oftentimes we completely forget that Jesus gave everything for us. We can be offended. We can do whatever. He gave everything for us. And so Jesus, he says, I will declare and decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, Father says, Jesus, ask of me and I will give you the nations. 
I believe that our belief, Rick, is way too small for this county. I believe that our belief is way too small for five counties. I believe that the Father said, if you ask me, Jesus, I know you gave everything for one, I get it, but if you, if you want, I will give you nations as your inheritance. I am under the understanding that I don't believe good enough. I believe now that God wants us to take nations. It says that you would disciple all nations, right? But I believe that he wants us to awaken nations. We send missionaries to other countries, nothing against that. So hear my heart. I know all of my people know this, like hear my heart and listen closely what I'm about to say. We send missionaries to foreign fields, we take pictures, we plant a church, we bring it back, post it on the wall, hang flags, have a map with cords, and we say we won the country. We didn't win the country. We want a part of the country. I believe that what he's talking about here is that every nation would declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. That means everyone in the nation will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're talking about one county. I believe that the Lord says, I want you to raise your belief to believe what you're promised as an inheritance to take the nations. Now, if that's the case, if that's the case, then there's things that will come out in our actions, our behaviors that reflect our belief. There are some people in this county that do not believe that we can get 20 churches together and so their behavior is to put your hand up to the field of freedom and say, we're not gonna participate. I'm being honest with you. There are people that I've sat across the table with that are like, don't know that I want that. That's okay, it's okay. But there are people that say, listen, I believe that we can have 50 on that field. I believe that we can have 100. And guess what, their behavior isn't this, their behavior is, hey, Rick, hey, Pastor Rob, do you have a list of people that I could call other pastors and go talk with them? Because this is super important. Do you see the difference between belief and behavior? If you believe that it's never gonna happen, you're never gonna do anything, you're never gonna join in, you're not gonna be a part of it, and you're gonna miss the blessing. Or you can say, listen, I believe that it can happen. Help me in my unbelief, right? Help me where I'm not believing big enough, God, but you know what, I'm gonna take some action. I'm gonna have some behaviors that start that are actually gonna propel me to see the, the evidence of what we're believing for. So my challenge for you today is this, that you examine your beliefs about what God can do in your own life. And when you compare what you're asking him for right now to repair your marriage, to heal your body, to touch a relationship outside of that, to, to restore something that was lost. Do you know, we, we often travail, we often just, just go before the Lord and we pour out our heart and say, Lord, I want you to change all this stuff. And we forget that he sold everything for you and for me. He sold it all, he gave it all, he died. And, and so then we, we say, okay, now if we could grasp that, you see, my problem was always this. I had it here, but the 18 inches to here was a, was a challenge. And so in our, beliefs, in our beliefs about what God is about to do in this region, you can either be all in or all out. You can be all in or you can be all out. So the first conversation 
that Father God has with Jesus after the resurrection is you have bought back humanity. Now, if you ask me, I will give you nations as your inheritance. So let me, let me explain this one last time. He gave everything to buy you the pearl. The acceptance of nations, the acceptance of five counties, 50 counties, the corridor between Cleveland and Buffalo, I-90, the, to believe for that is just an explanation. It's just the outgoing of what was already purchased. I'll say it again. It is just the, the, so he bought us with a price and now we're saying, oh Lord, we want to dream for the, for the I-90 corridor. We want to see revival happen in Ohio. We want to see it happen in America. We want to see it happen all over. The, that is just the field that comes because Jesus already purchased. We're just executing his victory. It's not about what we're trying to do. All we have to do is show up and say, I'll give you everything I have and I'll watch you win the victory for all that other stuff. You're just gonna execute victory over and over and over and over. And that's in every relationship that you're in. That's in the addiction that you struggled with. It's your life was what he paid for, all the rest of it comes with it. We just have to accept it. He died for you, the treasure in the field. The rest of the field, the rest of nations, the rest of the things is what we have to grow our belief for and to say, we're in. We're in. Now, it's hard for someone to say that they're in when they have baggage. I love that you went to that scripture this morning. The Lord's been feeding me on that scripture. Have you ever had a scripture the Lord just feed you? I, I, I find it very interesting that David could have done things on his own, but he was out in the field, and if they would have went for him and he was doing things on his own, they wouldn't have found him. I'll let that go through the room too. If, if, it just goes like a wave. It's like I see the faces light up as it goes across the room. David had a choice to go do it on his own, and he wouldn't have been in the field when they came looking for him in the scripture text, and I won't read it because of time, but it says that, that Samuel said, we're all going to stand here until David comes back. Now, how far was that? We can't get people to stand 35 minutes for worship. And they had to stand maybe a day, two days, three days. It, it says we will stand, and that literally the word means stand. We are going to stand until the king comes back, the one who's going to be anointed. And so they stood there and they waited. But what if he wouldn't have been where he was supposed to be? We have so many people that are out of joint in the church because they're distracted with things that are going on, hurts and hangups and all that stuff. They're distracted by it. So they're not even in the place where God's coming to find them to anoint them for the next season. So this morning, I'm gonna invite the team to come back up. I'm gonna invite the team to come back up. And as they come up, I, 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 want there to be, I want there to be a Holy Spirit movement in the house right now. Because no matter what we look like on our face, no matter what we act like some days, we all have a belief, we all have some belief that isn't big enough for God. Our belief becomes our box. 
And God never fits inside of our box. He wants us to expand the tent stakes of our heart to begin to believe that this revival thing isn't just about getting the church awakened. This is about an awakening that is global. This is about an awakening of people to the knowledge that Jesus sold everything for them. And that's where freedom comes. That's where freedom comes. So if you'd stand with me this morning. He wants so much, the Father's heart just, he wants so much for each person to say, examine me today, God, because I wanna dream with you. I'm telling you, his heart is for you to dream for nations. This isn't about sending a missionary, that's amazing. It's about taking nations and territories. It's about discipling nations. It's about awakening nations. It's about sitting with kings and leaders and presidents. That's what he wants. Now we can, we can sit here this morning and we can say that we're all okay with this. But I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not. My belief level isn't up to that right now. And I am surrendering right now. I'm surrendering as I hope you do for God to come in and expand my heart to see what he sees in this region. There's no way that there should ever be a label put on this region called Heroin Highway. There's no way that that should ever stand in our presence. This shouldn't be a place where people come to get high. This should be a place where people come because they're high on Jesus and they know that this is a safe place. because there ain't no high like the most high. And he wants that out of us. But guys, I'm telling you this morning, I don't think we're believing big enough. My challenge is that we empty our heart this morning and we begin to believe for our family members that have never, they, they always ridicule us when we start to talk about Jesus. They always walk into the other room whenever we start talking about Jesus. They always turn the volume up on the TV whenever they're watching the game and we start talking about what God's doing in our lives. We don't have a big enough belief system right now to believe for them to come. How are we gonna awaken nations? And this event, this thing, this movement that we call Field of Freedom is the perfect opportunity, but you're gonna be no good to all those people that you care about if you can't change your belief this morning. So as they begin to lead in worship, I'm gonna ask you if you're willing to lay down your current belief system about who God is and you're ready to take up who he's called you to be, then I want you to come down here and we wanna pray with you. You can come down here, we don't have to pray for you, whatever you want, but there has to be a distinct movement in your life to change your belief structure. Saul had it, he was knocked off his horse. Some of you this morning, this is the message that knocks you off of your status quo. This is the word that knocks you off of being okay with just being okay. And he says, I want more from my church in this region because I want more people to know the goodness and the price that I paid for them. So as they sing, I want you to make an altar. I want you to hold yourself before the Lord and he'll consume you. And if you want to come forward, come forward, make an act of, of faith to walk forward and he's gonna grow us. Thank you, Lord, right now.
Thank you, Lord. We worship you.
5, 16 says, for this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now and now I have been working. He's working in this region. He's working in the lives of every person in this place. He's working. Are you gonna give him a field to work in? Are you gonna surrender and say, I want you to take all of me? Are you willing to do that today? Now, as we were discussing this, I, this was not on the docket, but it will be now. Each of you uh, received communion when you came in. If you're being ministered to, just stay where you're at. Um, the Lord has much, much for you. Um, but if you have your communion cups, I would like to invite all senior pastors up here or staff pastors up on the platform. Pastor Sean to uh, lead this communion time. And we're going to take communion as leaders up here and as leaders in the seats. No better kind of unity can I believe than this. to be here this morning. It's an honor to be here this morning. Lord, what can we say this morning that we love you? You see people, saints of God, angels can't tell the Lord they love him. You can tell him you love him. An angel can never say to the Lord, thank you for saving my soul because they don't know salvation. But you can tell the Lord, thank you that I was a soul set free. Thank you that I am free. Angels in glory can say holy, holy, holy and worship the Lord. cannot say thank you for redeeming my life but we have that honor do you realize this morning that angels right now are watching you that's true Paul said in his word angels right now are watching you because they're looking at you saying why did he do that for them See, angels look at you to 
figure out what salvation is all about. They look, they look at, they look at the, uh, they look at the Lord and they say, now I, I'm beginning to see why these people are weeping. Why are these people laughing? Why are these people rejoicing? And they're looking at you and they're beginning, and they, they'll never know salvation, but they're, they'll get to, they're understanding why he did all this. He look, they, they look at you right now in this room, in this, in this room this morning, angels right now are watching you. And they're amazed of this creator that created them. Isn't that amazing? from the Lord right now just receive it there's an anointing there's a precious anointing here whatever you need from the Lord just receive it you say pastor is that is that easy it's that easy all you have to do is receive it those watching you us in our in your homes just receive it many of you right now are feeling the healing power of God right now Feel that he blessed healing anointing flowing right now. You know, Pastor Rob asked me earlier this morning, he said, Well, you lead this communion. I said, and there's so much you can. This has always been precious to me, I know with all of you as well. But communion is an intimate time. I've always believed that. Communion is not something that we do the first Sunday of every month and just to check the check mark on our box. We did communion this month. Communion is an intimate time between you and the Lord. So in this atmosphere this morning, I want you to picture yourself sitting at the table with Jesus and his disciples and when Jesus looked at his disciples, every one of them, I want you to picture this. this because what he's saying right in, through scripture, he's saying right now to this morning. He looked on that night, he took bread at that last supper and he took that bread and that cup and he looked at his disciples in the eye, eye to eye. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. People, I really feel this this morning. He's looking you right in the eye this morning. And he's saying, I, this is my body broken for you.
my mind went to Luke 24, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Many of you know the story well. Two disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection. Disciples didn't recognize the Lord. They'd known him all those for three and a half years. Their eyes were holding. They didn't recognize him at all. So they got to the place where they were going to be at their home. And it said Jesus would have gone further, but they constrained him to come with them and stay with them. This stranger that they was walking with all the, for a few miles and their hearts were burning within them because the things he was sharing with them, their hearts were on fire as he, as he talked with them. They got into the room. He sat down with them. And the scripture declares, as he broke bread, their eyes were opened. That's the scripture. The moment he broke bread in their presence, it said their eyes were open and they could see. Some of you this morning, many of you, I believe, as you partake communion this morning, Jesus is going to reveal himself to you in a way you've never known before. Do you receive that? Do you believe that? Father, thank you this morning. In this holy moment this morning, we stand here shoulder to shoulder. One of the things I've always astounded me about the cross was this. When you stand at the foot of that cross, every one of us is on a level playing field. Rich, poor, every ethnic background, every nationality, every social status, whatever it may be, you're all shoulder to shoulder and on equal ground. Because we all have one thing in common. Jesus died for our sins. We have the same high priest. That cross here to my right is a common denominator that binds all of us together. So Paul declared in, that, in 1 Corinthians 12, he said, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. People of God this morning,
Jesus has called many things, but one of the things he's called in scriptures is he's living bread. I want you this morning just to look up into heaven this morning. And I want you to tell him, he, you are my substance. You are my life. And Lord, as I partake this bread, when I partake this bread, Lord, I know that I'm going to receive your wholeness. took a cup and says oh the blood of Jesus what can make what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus we hold this cup Caitlin is singing that behind me what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make us whole again Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, how precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Holy Spirit, this morning I ask you to make this real to every one of us. This is a very life of God that we're holding. The blood represents the life of God himself. This blood represents because every time we declare the blood, every time we partake communion, Colossians chapter 2 declares, we're reminding Satan and he's defeated all over again. That's not, that's the Bible, that's Colossians 2. Every time you partake communion, every time you speak the blood or declare the blood or whisper the blood, you remind Satan he's defeated all over again. Because right now in this moment, we're declaring before heaven and the other realm. Satan has been defeated and Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Father, this morning, because of the blood of your Son, 
we can stand here in your presence clean our past has been erased because of this precious blood some of you need to hear this this morning your past has no record as far as heaven is concerned once a drug addict no I've been washed by the blood of the lamb I'm just an alcohol no once the blood has washed you you are no longer an alcoholic because once the blood has touched your life God because of the power in this blood has literally erased the memory from your past from his records you can't you can't even you can't even ask him Lord you he said I don't remember that well why because that's the power that's in this blood do you believe that this morning some of you need to be set free from your past guess what you have no past once the blood has touched your life so father we thank you for the blood we thank you this morning Lord Jesus that this blood declares that we are heirs and joint heirs with you this blood declares before heaven that we Lord are justified we are sanctified we are set apart this precious blood, Lord, we thank you because we can know the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We can know the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We can know intimacy with you, Lord, because of this precious blood. And Lord, we partake in your presence. Go ahead and partake. have pastors up here on the platform and uh, there's many more like I said that couldn't be here this morning but I just want I just want us as leaders to join hands up here and declare over this region that there is no stronghold of the enemy in this place where he is and that as we pray over these people and over the people of the region, that the curse of the past is broken and the anointing of the future is here. Thank you, Lord. So we're gonna join hands. You can join hands if you would like with someone in your row. Oh, Lord. Praise you, Lord, we worship you. <laughs> Father, today we stand in unity over this region. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us a vision. You have given us provision, and you've put a divine destiny and call on each of our lives. Today, Lord, we submit to you, and we ask you, Lord, to show up and show off like you've never done before in this region. 
that the wave of revival and awakening that you have destined for people in this place would impact and awaken nations far and wide. And that as we walk in unity, we will see the miracles of heaven in every church, in every business, in every governmental office. And we will see your kingdom declared from the rooftops, from the basements, from the dining room tables to the bars. Thank you, Lord. May the hospitals empty. May the nursing homes empty. And may your kingdom get declared and may you receive all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, I couldn't think of a better way to start off a day when we're going to be back together in a few hours. So, uh, again, the doors open tonight at 5 o'clock. If you want to be in this room, you better be here at that time. I can guarantee it. Uh, but we do, have, we do have live stream all across the campus. Also, for those of you at home that are not going to make the trek here, whether you're in Ohio or around the world, uh, you can actually go to any app store and download the America's Greatest Awakening app. And if you download that app tonight at 6 o'clock, actually, I think it's going to start at 530. The live stream will start. You can watch it on the app. Last week, we were in 60 countries. So I believe that I believe that this week we'll be in 60 more. Um, but you can download that app. You can watch it on your Apple TV or your Android TV or if you like the Apple or the other one, whatever. Uh, you can watch it on any of them. It'll be live tonight. You can also watch it on all of our Facebook feeds. Uh, the service tonight will be on. Uh, but we would love to have you here on the campus. There is something significant. I can't even explain it. There's something significant about being here, even if you're not in this room. So the next question you're going to say when you arrive at 5 o'clock is, where do I park? Well... Um, the neighbors love us, and, uh, and that's good because uh, the, route, the streets all around here will be full. God has, uh, God has anointed these streets, so park on the streets. Um, but if that gets full, because a lot will probably be full at 5, but if, if this, all the streets get full, there is stadium down here at the end of the street. We'll ask for forgiveness later, but um, park on the streets. Park wherever you can find a spot. Walk your way here, and, uh, and I believe that if you come expecting you will receive the greatness of what he has for you. So be back here. Also, take your cards and uh, make sure you hand it out to somebody. Bring them to the field, and we'll see you this evening. Have a great night. Take care. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.